As has been mentioned, we're going to talk about peace from Galatians 5.22. And let's read uh, Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And the fruit is the harvest. The harvest of the Spirit. It's the attitude of the heart, not actions. Not like works of the flesh, but it's the attitude of the heart. It's character. And it's developed as a result of following the guidance of the Holy Spirit as revealed in His written Word. And it's a consequence of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's uh, The word peace in this scripture is from Strong's... Uh, definition of it is G1515 anyway, probably from a primary verb, iro, which means to join. Peace, literally or figuratively, by implication, prosperity. One, peace, quietness, rest, plus set at one again. Vines says something a little bit differently, but a lot of it the same. It describes harmonious relationships between men Nations, faithfulness, freedom, freedom from molestation, order in the state, in churches, the harmonized relationship between God and man, accomplished through the gospel, in the sense of rest and contentment consequent thereon. So I thought, I highlighted those three different sections right there in Vine's uh, description of it, because I thought that's just what we'll talk about. We'll talk about peace with God. Peace with oneself, and that doesn't sound right to me, peace with myself, and peace with men. So I thought we, we would do just that. I want to begin by talking about peace with God. Turn to Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. While you're turning there, this word peace in the New Testament, you see it in virtually all the letters. I didn't look and see if it was in every one of them, but it's in Romans and 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians. It's there. Grace and peace, it says. And I'm not going to look at all those because it virtually says the same thing. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. So we, we have a problem. And that problem extended way on back for other people long before we came on the scene. Is our sins and our iniquities separate us from God. And as we're separated from God, that is not peace. Because he won't hear. He's hidden his face from us. And in Isaiah chapter 57, verses 20 and 21, it says, I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him, who, to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. And then in verse 19 of Isaiah 57, I create the fruit of the lips. I just read that, didn't I? I read it out of order. I'm sorry. So there's, uh, in verse 21, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. So, no peace with God is 
dangerous, eternally dangerous. In First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three, it says, "Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus." So we see that God is a God of peace. That's his desire. That's his desire for us, for all of us. In 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. He's a God of peace. He's a God of love and peace. And if we will live that way in peace, in, in uh, be of one mind, that uh, he'll be with us. And... Uh, Always, I might add. This peace comes from the sacrifice of Jesus who atoned for our sins. Turn with me to Exodus or uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. Ephesians 2, 11. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of peace, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who, were, who once were far off are brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, it has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. So, Jesus atoned for our sins. Those Gentiles who really had no consideration under the law of Moses, it was for the Jews. They're now brought near by the blood of Christ. And to be, as it says in verse 12 again, those uh, without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's not peace with God. Ignore him is not peace with God. To not be in his family is not peace with God. For he is himself is our peace. And he's made both one. Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace, in which we stand and rejoice in, the, in hope of the glory of God. So we're justified by faith. And when we become justified by faith, found, as it were, innocent, technical term, we've made peace. And it's all through Christ. We have access by faith into this, the grace that he gives us. 
And in Acts 10, verse 36. Acts 10, 36. I've somewhat opened up. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. Kind of picked up in the middle of a thought. Preaching peace through Christ Jesus. We can have peace with God, but it has to be through Christ. It has to be His way. And the only way it is. In Romans 10, verse 15, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring, bring glad tidings of good things. So God is a God of peace, and He gives us, He sends us a gospel of peace to be preached, to be taught, to be studied, so that we might be at peace with Him, that we might be His family, if you will. And that we might be able to, to receive the blessings after this life is over. In Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 9, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. For those who live according to the flesh, those works of the flesh that, that are earlier in Galatians, by the way, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on those things. That's what they dwell on all the time. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Enmity is strife. It's not peace. And so, the things of the flesh, when our mind dwells on those things, will not bring us peace. But spiritual mindedness, if I, if you, I might say that, will do it. And so, he wants us to be not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And let the spirit of God dwell in us. In Colossians chapter 2, or chapter 1. Verses 19 through 23. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness of, uh, should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present his to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. <coughs> so God, by Jesus reconciles all to himself. Those, if we want to be with him, we can. He can reconcile us. That would make peace. That brings, that brings two 
parties at odds together. Now, God's not going to change, so we have to, we have to change, and we have to be brought near to him. He reconciles. He makes peace between us. Made peace through the, the blood of his cross. And so, uh, to present us to holy and blameless, above reproach in his sight, if we're not moved away. From the hope of the gospel. In Colossians. Chapter 2. 12 through 14. He says. Buried, Paul writes. Buried with him in baptism. In which you were also were raised with him. Through faith in the working of God. Who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses. And the uncircumcision of your flesh. He is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Now, dead in the trespasses and sins, buried with him in baptism takes care of that. You're raised with him through faith in the working of God. And we're going to actually read some of that before this right here now. Talking about peace with myself. Kind of going to read some of the stuff we just read again. So it's, it's on purpose, though. In Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10, it says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. All the fullness dwells in him. And he won't, and you're complete in him. Now, what we, some of that, what we read a while ago, you buried with him in baptism, which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, flesh he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. There again, buried with him in baptism, raised with him through faith, raised, uh, from God who raised him from the dead. We were dead. He's made alive. Forgiven all trespasses. And what that does is what he says up here. It makes us complete. It doesn't make us a finished product. We still live. But it makes us complete. It takes away that enmity, that strife, and gives us peace. Peace with God, as we mentioned previously. And I can have peace with myself in that I've been made alive. I've been forgiven all that's wrong in my life. That's forgiven. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. So I can have peace and not be anxious for anything. And there's this, as it says in the scripture, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Something that the world doesn't understand. If they don't know the Lord, 
truly, they will not understand. And if they have no, if they think there is no God, they certainly don't understand anybody that even thinks like this. I want to look at a term in that verse, those two verses, just to think about something. The, the term will guard, it's a military term. It means that, and I pulled this from somebody, I don't remember who now. But it means that the mind will be guarded as a camp or a castle is. Preserved from the intrusion of anxious fears and alarms. That I have something that the world does not have. I have something that gives me peace with God and therefore gives me peace with myself. If It all starts with making peace with God. If I can get that right, I can have peace with myself. And after that, I can have peace with all men. But he'll guard our hearts by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known to God. Peace with myself. It's an inner peace from a right relationship with God. <clears throat> Not worrying about the sins of the past. God forgave them. I like what Simon used to say. Simon Harris. If you could talk to God and he would talk back with you and you could say, well, those sins, I he's what sins? Those sins are gone. Whatever how trivial the sins might be in times past, they're gone. Ever how disgusting a sin might be that you did, and if you're forgiven, it's gone. If you're forgiven for it, it's done. There's no need to beat yourself, beat myself up about it. It's over. No need to worry about the future. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4, or chapter 5. 2 Timothy chapter 5. If death comes, there's a home ready for you. Verse 6 says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all, also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul is facing imminent death. He's not going to die an old man. His life is going to be taken. He said, I've got it. There is a crown of life laid up for me and to all who love his appearing. I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about the sins of the past. I don't have to worry about the future when this life is over if I'm at peace with God. And that should give me peace of mind. Another thing to think about is the heavenly realm in heaven, they'll have room for me. Anybody that wants to go can go through Christ. He's ready for all those who love and obey him. It's for me. It's for you. It's for whoever we might talk to about the Lord and they change and they uh, uh, converted or converted and obey the gospel. It's the peace. Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, 3, verses 14 through 17. <clears throat> For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory 
to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being, be, uh, being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in all in the churches, in the church of Christ, Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. We're strengthened through his spirit in the inner man that Christ would dwell in our hearts. What people outside of Christ or outside of God don't understand is that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think in my life. He can take all of my bad stuff away. All my the, the stuff that haunts me, he can. Or you either. And we can be filled with the fullness of God. Let's transition a little bit to peace with men. Hebrew writer says, Pursue peace with all men and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Peace and holiness. Without that, we won't see Him. In Romans 12, verse 18, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. I think we understand that concept. In Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, Mark or Matt did a several weeks on those, and I thought about it, and I appreciated it over and over what he did. Matthew 5, 5, he said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Not the weak. Not meek is not weak. But it's not overbearing on other people. It's gentleness. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called sons of God. If if I don't have that attitude, I won't be called his son. If I can't pursue peace with all people, I don't think he'll have me as his son. As much as is possible, if it depends on me, live peaceably with all men so I can be his son. Be meek, not overbearing, not a arrogant, so I can be his son. Be those who make peace as well. In James chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, it says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The wisdom that is from above is peaceable. It's gentle. Willing to yield. That's hard to do sometimes. If you get into a little back and forth with somebody, it's hard to yield. 
but it is full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy, by those who make peace. First Peter, chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We have to refrain our tongues from evil, our lips from speaking deceit, which is evil. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. I think we've talked about that before, haven't we? Think he's watching? He's watching the righteous. He's watching those who are not righteous. His ears are open to our prayers. He'll listen to me. I can, that should give me peace, knowing that I can go to him, humble myself, Pray to him. He'll listen. Let's turn. Well, I've got it on the board. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 45. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Jesus says, but I say, you know the whole story, you, you love your neighbor and hate your enemy. <laughs> I say, no, it's not that way no more. We don't do it that way anymore. You love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. What in the world is the motivation for loving your enemies? For all that. For uh, doing good to those who hate you. Or praying for... What's the motivation? That you... Oops. Went too far. That you may be... Sons of your Father in heaven. I have to do this. It's required for me to uh, love my enemies and bless those who curse me and do good to those who hate me. You pray for those who spitefully so that I can be the son of my Father. It's a requirement. There's my motivation. Last let me say, First Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers. Be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Talking to the church, he said, you be of one mind. Have compassion for one another. Love his brothers. We're family. 
We're all in this together. Not returning evil for evil. You mean brothers would be evil toward... Apparently so. Returning, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't revile. But on the contrary, blessing. Knowing that we were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. That if we want to inherit that blessing, we want to be considered a son of God. We've got to have compassion for one another. Love his brothers. Be tenderhearted. Be courteous. And give, instead of reviling, pronounce a blessing, if you will, if I may say that. I appreciate your time. We'll sing number 287 in just a second. And it says there's a fountain free. wonder what fountain he's talking about. If you need to respond to the gospel in some way or need the prayers of the saints, why don't you come forward while we stand and while we sing this song?